0: If I look like I'm hopping around a little bit this morning, it's not because I wasn't at a great 4th of July party last night, which I stayed up way too late, but it was a great party and I did some good eating. Thank you. But there's a cricket up here that's by me. Yeah, Thank you. You notice it. So if that jumps in the wrong direction at the right time, uh, we might get a little bit holier than we usually do in church today because I'm not, um, I'm not a real bug guy bugs, snakes, spiders, things, uh, anything that could crawl or I just, that's not good for me. So I could kill it, but I would be afraid I'd offend somebody, <laughs> but believe me, that's what I really want to do. I mean, I could help it just move along over to the, there you go. That's, there you go. If you got your Bibles, <laughs> seriously, that's just gonna, all right, no videos. Good we're good. Okay. Second Corinthians. This is where we're going to get cranked up today. Second Corinthians five. Um, we're going to start in verse 14 and go through 20. And the question that I put for you this morning is who are you? And one of the reasons that I did that is, uh, because we are in the week of the fourth of July, but it falls right in the middle of the week, which that's the day that everybody gets off. Normally speaking at church, we either have the Sunday before that nobody's here or the Sunday that is after that nobody's here. So I determined in my mind that it was the Sunday before that nobody was here, which I was wrong, because y'all are all here, uh, so the wild goose chase series continues next week if you miss it you can get the podcast you can go online see what we did um but that's when we'll jump back into the wild goose chase if you don't know what we're talking about then you're already behind the goose anyway um sorry about that you'll have to catch up and just do the podcast or whatever so um second corinthians five fourteen through 20 who are you um no this isn't after the old song by the who thank you very much one of our oldies told us about that earlier today, asking, "Hey, is that done after the song?" No, it had nothing to do with the song. It had to do with who you are, where you are in your spiritual life, and so um, I wanted to address this this morning because of next week's topic. Next week's topic is the cage of guilt, and uh, and so the cage of guilt and the wild goose chase goes into some pretty. If you're reading the book with us, um, goes into some pretty good detail about our past, about our sin, and about how though Jesus has forgiven us, and he's paid the price, and he's done his part, we sometimes have a hard time forgiving ourselves, right? And we sometimes have a hard time getting through it. So that's what, it's a little preview, a little sneak of what next week is about with the cage of guilt from Wild Goose Chase. But this sets that up, so um, I kind of made it uh, where it would be, I made my series within a series, so we, we, we're making this a part of that. All right. So if you got your Bible, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 20, I'm using the correct version, which is the New Living Translation. The rest of you can follow along the best you can. Here we go. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of us and and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself no longer counting people sin against them and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation so we are Christ's ambassadors. God, has, God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So there's four um, principles, there's four areas, there's four things, however you want to say it. There are four, um, what I call principles, that that should guide us in doing this. And, uh, and I've got them for you there in your notes, so you're ready to roll with me. The first one is this. Who you are determines what you see. Who you are determines what you see. So the question this morning is based on that verse out of 2 Corinthians, who are you? Who are you in Christ? In our theology and doctrinal classes that we would take in seminary, that who are you question is simply this. What is your position? What is your position in Christ? What what are you in Christ's eyes. How does that work? And I'm gonna make it real simple this morning and y'all I apologize for it being pretty foundational, but what I have found throughout my years in ministry is even though sometimes we assume something and we think something and we believe something <coughs> pardon me, not everybody understands it, knows it, or has heard it, or the truth is they don't believe it because we're not living it. That one's that's the amen or o oh me one, right? because we're, we're not doing what the Bible tells us to do. So in second Corinthians, we find this, our position in Christ is this. I was separated because of sin. If you want to play the blame game and, and, you know, talk to your therapist and blame it on Adam and Eve. Okay. That makes you feel better. But then you and I have a responsibility because we were born into this sin This sin nature is what we are born into. So God had a remedy and his remedy was his son. In the Old Testament, we see all about the Messiah coming. And in the Old Testament, what we have is we have an understanding of this is sacrifices. And you get these sacrifices. And if those sacrifices are given the correct way by the priest and the high priest and what they do, then your sins are forgiven. And this is how you go along the line. And then then you're forgiven and you're looking towards the Messiah to come. So they had faith. In the Messiah coming and that they, the people before Jesus walked this earth, they had faith that his coming was going to be their salvation. In the meantime, here's these sacrifices. This is what you do. A lot of that in the Old Testament, right? Burnt offerings, all kinds of lambs and everything, right? Then Jesus comes. And what God tells us is that he sent his son for our sins. So Jesus becomes that lamb, becomes that sacrifice, So he is our relationship. He is what makes the relationship with God one again. So what does that mean? That means this, at our judgment seat, at our day of judging, however that looks, and I have a picture in my mind because I was a little kid when I heard one of those sermons about the judgment seat of God. Y'all remember? I mean, it's kind of vivid. But whatever that judgment looks like, it's going to be this. It's going to be God the Father who created all of us and here's what his plan is. Got a few questions for him, by the way. God the Father, me, and I have a feeling that I'm going to be some like down there and he's kind of up here. And then there's Jesus. Now, there's probably going to be a cloud of witnesses around, but all I know is that at that point in time all I'm going to be focusing on is me and God and where's my man Jesus? Jesus. Because here's what this means, our position. This means that God looks at me and he says, Jonathan, why should I let you into my kingdom for eternity? Now this is just the way I picture it because I'm kind of creative and I get a little passionate and excited. I'm probably a little bit more like Peter in the Bible than anybody else. I'm, I'm ready to chop off somebody's ear and then go like, ooh, sorry about that. Right? I'm that kind of person. My feeling in my gut is that before God even finishes saying, Jonathan, why? That Jesus steps in. He says, Hey, dad, remember when Jonathan was 14, San Marcos, Texas? That, that's when he began a relationship with me. So he's part of the family. God. This is, this, is, this is one of yours. And not that God, remi- I don't think he needed reminding, but I think it's just part of the process that, that helps us, but it also helps God to know that, hey, Jesus has that relationship. Now here's, here, here's where I want you to, to hang with me with, with where we're going with this. Guys, this morning, when i talk and i say the position that you're in in christ that position is everything because if you're not in the correct position with christ if if you really do not have this relationship with christ then then the the little scene that i just described to you can bring fear it can bring anxiety. It can, it can bring, I mean, there's enough about death and enough about what's after this life to bring all those things anyway. But if I'm not sure and I worry about it and I'm concerned about it and I think there's some sort of scale on how I get to heaven and how, how my good deeds are here and what that looks like, I, I've really missed what, what God intended as he sent his son Jesus for every one of us who believe in Him, and every one of us who want that relationship. So this position in Christ brings about these four things that we're looking at. Who you are determines what you see. So my position, me knowing that I am God's child, that I'm part of the family, that I'm going to spend eternity with Him, that nothing can take that away. There's not some sort of work system that I can work out for Him because it's not good enough. Okay, in the Old Testament it says, My very best is as filthy rags. It's an incredible thing of grace. And by the way, that, that goes into next week's sermon. I keep throwing out a little bait to you for next week's sermon because we're going to talk about God's grace for us. So that position means it affects everything. And the way I see it and the way I view it. And the way that I want to give you context of that is who you are determines what you see. And I want you to write this under that. A biblical view versus the world view. And one of the principles and the desires of our church is to teach um, the Bible in such a way to you that you start understanding what scripture means for yourself hey, it's great to have a preacher up here and it's great to, to be able to throw some words from the original language or to give you this context or that context, but, but the beauty of a relationship with God Almighty through his son Jesus is this, that, that you, you have the same capability every single day of your life to experience and encounter Jesus in the same way that the preacher does. Matter of fact, I'd say that you, you might even encounter him and experience him better than the preacher does. Because of where you are and who you are, and your desire to grow in Him, and you have that at your disposal. You have that at 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 your um, advantage. As a person to, to look to him and say, I can have that same relationship. How does that determine what you see? It's simply this: it's it's looking thing at at, at at the at the view of of life through through what God says biblically versus through what the world is telling us. Hey, the world standard and the biblical standard, by the way, are two different things, right? Yes, I mean, have y'all got to that point where you're seeing that? Hey, that. It looks like that's a different kind of standard than what I'm living over here. And that goes from politics to integrity with money to, to relationships. I, I'm, I'm telling you that I am disturbed. I am disturbed. I am frustrated. And, 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 I, and I'm not sure exactly how to, to place all this, but I'm telling you, you say, well, Jonathan, I, you just have to trust the Lord. I do trust the Lord, but here's the deal. What you guys, and, and I'm speaking to all of us adults, what us adults and the things that we went through, um, by the way, they're heavy temptations or all the things that we can see, what, what we went through and what our kids are exposed to at a younger age and what they're having to deal with is um, I'm not saying that the temptation's different. I'm saying it's just really right there in front of their face, a lot. Every day. So things that, that we would think of in our minds is, man, that, you know, kids should be able to be strong enough. They should be able to handle this. They should be able to handle that. I'm telling you right now, if they don't have the right group of friends, if they don't have the right kind of families, hello, if they don't have the right kind of families surrounding them, they're alone out there. To talk to, talk to, to couples who are, who are getting married in our church and, and to express to them, about how God desires for their life to be and what that looks like. And you guys, honestly, um, and I'm just being very blunt with you guys, for them to come into our church and to actually be virgins before they get married is a rarity today. That's just one of the things, hey, it's okay. It's okay to do this before you get married. Hey, you know what? The Bible says that he forgives all of us. And it is of forgiveness of sin. And he doesn't say in the Bible, hey, if you do this, you're going to hell. He says this, this is the way that I set up marriage. This is the way that I set up the relationship. In fact, he's pretty blunt with us. He said it's better better to marry than to what? Anybody know that one? Than to burn. Now, if you don't know what that means, that's okay. For the rest of us, you know what that means. Lord's pretty blunt about it. Hey, I built you guys, I know how it works. I know what makes you get going, I know what makes you have fun, I know what all those things, because he created us. So he gives us these principles, right? He gives us these understandings that we need to see things from a biblical view versus the world view. So every time you have a grid of making a decision, I don't care what it is, you need to make that decision based on the Bible and the relationship that you have with Christ and the Holy Spirit that lives within you. Again, your position in Christ, the Holy Spirit that lives within you so that you can make decisions based upon him and his character and what he's done for us rather than what you think or what the world thinks. I say, well, Jonathan, that's really hard to do. Welcome to the journey. Welcome to the walk that for some reason, all of us who are Christians think, man, I punched the holy card and life is going to be easy street. And how come I can try to live for God every week and I'm doing all that I can, I'm going to church, I'm doing that Bible study, heck, preacher even said something about giving and I gave. That's always the big one in church. You know. I do that and yet the guy right next door to me Lives like the world. Treats his wife like she's nothing. Doesn't spend time with his kids. And he's being successful. From whose point of view? Hello? The world's point of view. So God tells us that we need it from his point of view. What we see. The biblical view versus the world view. The second one. Who you are determines how you see others. How you see, how you view others. Do we see others like Jesus sees them. Think about, think about some of the experiences that Jesus had along the way. I mean, you had, you had a group of crazy dudes who their friend, (laughs) their friend was dead and they did what? Lowered him through the roof. I mean, those are pretty determined friends, weren't they? Hello? Right. I mean, those dudes, Hey, we've got a dead friend, we want him alive. We hear Jesus does some miracles. We're going to get to him and we're going to do this with our friend. I mean, that, that is one experience of Jesus. How do you think he viewed that? How do you think he looked at that? How do you think he thought about that as he did the miracle? What, what about just the blind man? I mean, I know Jesus was, I mean, he, he was God in flesh so we know he can do those things but sometimes I kind of wonder how did he think about that? Hey, if I, if I heal this guy and then I got to make sure that my words are correct because they're going to be written down in a Bible that everybody's going to see. So if I heal him, what's the next step for him? Or This is this one I, I absolutely love in the scripture. Is Jesus getting some water at a certain time of day and a woman comes to get water at that time of day, and you're not supposed to do that, especially who she was and what her background was. And then Jesus starts talking, and I call it Christianese, Jesus talk, right? Oh, you're needing some water. Yes, I'm thirsty. Oh, you need living water. You need, you need water that you'll thirst no more. And I mean, I'm just trying to put myself in her shoes and going like, okay, got the loony one here, <laughs> right? Got the got the cuckoo guy out here by the water fountain going what's he saying but all of a sudden this is just the picture I have of him with her here she is she's slept around the town with most of the guys she has a reputation I'm going to say that her self esteem wasn't very good and Jesus starts talking to her and conversing Which you gotta think at at one point because of what she did, she's either going like, Hey, this guy's hitting on me, or something's different about him and he's crazy because of what he was saying. But at some point in time, this is what I picture, at some point in time, he looked her straight in the eyes and it caught her eye. And he started telling her the truth and what she could experience. And her life was changed. Now here's the interesting thing in God's grand scheme of things that he does for all of us. He gives us this relationship with Christ. And then he says, I want you to know that, that you, you are the ones that will reach others. You are the ones that will be my ambassador to others. You are the one." that can let them know that Jesus is real. And your life, your testimony, your experience with Christ can be viewed and observed by others that you work with, live by, (laughs) serve with in such a way that they would desire to have the same thing that you have in your relationship with Christ. So the second one is who you are determines how you see others. Do you and I see others like Jesus sees them? Hey, I if they roll the way that I roll, we can be good friends and that's fine. It's the ones that don't roll like me that that I have a hard time saying, "Hey Jesus, I want to hang out with that one." Right? That's hard. I and, and listen, I you know, teachers, coaches, All of us at work, to say that we have some people that we like more than others and we dislike, we're just gonna be honest, right? There's some kids that I love to coach. They'll do anything I ask. There's other kids that I'm serious, I'd like to slap their mom and dad for the way they've raised them because they're so disrespectful and they won't listen to what coach says to do, which then tells me that they won't listen to what their parents say to do. Hello? See how that has a trickle effect? Now, I said that in the flesh. I love every kid. (laughs) Treat them all the same. In fact, I'm probably harder on my kids than I am the other kids. But when I say that to you, we naturally are drawn to certain people that we have relationship with or things in common or those kind. So we do that. But what about the person that just kind of, he he or she just kind of has that irritation about them or are they always, you know, I'm one of those guys that I see a glass of water and it's half full. You know, some of my friends, they see it half empty and it drives me nuts. And we're like, can't you just, do we have to approach it from the negative side? Can not we approach it from the positive? That's just who they are and then they ask questions. That's how God created them and what they're meant to be. And we all work together towards the body of Christ and then God uses each one of us to do his work for him, the third thing, who you are determines how you view life. This is so interesting to me that the scripture tells us to gain my life, I must what? To lose it. Is that not just crazy talk to y'all? To gain my life, to gain what I think is, and here, here's what goes through my mind. As a churchgoer, as a kid, here's what I usually view church as. Here's the do's, here's the don'ts, here's those guys that um, they, say, <laughs> they, they say one thing, but I've heard them and, and watched them do another thing, right? And here's the mamas that I've watched do the same thing. And then I loved it in the Good Baptist Church, we had what we called it um, <laughs> Deacon's Row. And Deacon's Row was the guys on the backside that they had a little bit of an affinity and addiction for smoking, So those guys had to go out the back, they had the back row go out the back door where nobody could view them and then come back in to smoke after they smoked. That's the back row, you know. And then everybody kind of judged them and criticized them. Well, you know, that's just so and so. We need to pray for them. Right? Isn't that what we say? And what did we just read in 2 Corinthians about how we're to view others and judge others? Let's look at them the way Jesus looked at them. Let's look at each other the way Jesus looks at us. Let's look at them with the same compassion and heart that Jesus had. And he tells us that when we do that, when we will view life in the way that he views life, then we're actually gaining our life by losing it. More of him and less of me. Well, Jonathan, you don't understand. If I, if, I give him, if I give him more of myself, that means I'm losing part of my personality and who I am. No, I don't think you understand how God created us. He created each of us differently. And when we get more of him, we're getting all of him. He gets all of us. And the things that we struggle with, the things that are, are gross in our life, the things that we just fight, he says, I'll take that from you. It's a good trade to get all that he has for all that I am. And he says that view will change the way that you and I do life. Again, from a biblical view versus the world's view. The last one who you are determines what you do. Is it about you? Is it about your family first? Is it about your job first? What is it? Matthew 6.33 says this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you some of the things that you need. Is that what it says? Anybody know the verse? It says this. Seek the kingdom of God Above all else, live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. Didn't say everything I want, but it does say everything I need. So this morning we kind of face a couple couple of things here. Our position in Christ is who we are. Do you really have a relationship with Christ? Do you really know for a fact in your mind heart soul however you want to phrase it christianese or worldly whatever you want to do with placing is do you know that if something to happen to you that you would spend eternity with him say well jonathan that's a question mark hey a question mark is a good place to be but it's not the place where you want to stay and some of you might stay in here hey i yeah I'm sure I don't know well then you need to know for sure where you'd be because the Bible says that we can know and that we can have that confidence and that we can be with him for eternity so then it turns from that aspect of positionally do you really know him or not to this question are you really putting him first in your life hey that's a, that's a daily one right here that's not just a I want to. Hey, Lord, I want to put him first. That's a daily, I've got to take up my cross daily and put myself up on it because I know myself and I know my ego and my pride and all those things that go along with me, me, me instead of him. And that's what he's saying out of Matthew 6, Seek ye first him. Seek first God and his kingdom, and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. And then uh, Hebrews, let me grab that one really quick for you guys. Out of Hebrews 10, 25, it says this. I'm gonna start in 23 so you have a little context. Let us hold tightly without wavering the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another of acts of love and good works and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near look at verse five again and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do but encourage each other look it's what church is Hey, I'm not saying we all think alike. I'm not saying we all even believe exactly the scripture the exact same way in here. But what he says is this, is that you can have unity and diversity. Okay, like, that sounds like a conflict. Welcome to the Bible, right? Lose your life, gain your life. How do you have unity and diversity? You have unity because we believe in the same thing scripturally. And if you don't, If you don't believe that way and you hadn't investigated our church to understand that enough, you need to come to one of our our classes and and learn about that and see how we believe about the Bible. If you don't do that, then there's probably another church you need to go to where you can be unified. Right? Because what we want to be is unified, but yet diverse and using all of our gifts and talents and the way God built all of us for his glory. To do things for his kingdom. And the way that I kind of pose that last verse there in 25 is, is that it sees the day that we seize the day that we understand that, that this is a time that God can use us and we, and he should. So I have these three questions kind of in, in leaving you and and kind of the objective of today in the message. The first one is this, according to Matthew 633, is he first in your life? Are you truly seeking him? And then this is an interesting question that, um, that I, would, I would normally pose this, particularly um, during the year when the college students are mostly here. But I wanted to pose it to all of us. Are, are you growing spiritually? And let's just say from whenever you came to our church here. Okay, because this is part on, it, it, it'll be on us as well. Are you growing spiritually? Are you understanding more things about God? Are you closer to God and your relationship with him through Jesus since when you began here? Are you in a place in your life where you're going like, hey, that's where I want to be spiritually. And I know for all of us we have these goals that we set. But I'm saying, are you really growing? Because if you're not growing and you're not going towards them, then really what we're doing is... We're, we're taking steps backwards and we're, and we're not even going towards him. So the question about that is, are you really growing? And then this one is, is to kind of finish up with that last verse. Are you prioritizing and redeeming the time? And I mean, here's your life. And honestly, if you think about yours in my life, it, 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 has, it has this simple thing, I call it dash. And dash is simply this. It's what's between our birth date and our death date. Dash. What are you doing with your dash? Is it for the kingdom? Is it for your little league baseball? Is it for uh, your body? Is it for your house? Is it for the money? Is it for your wife, for your kids? What are you doing with your dash? Because the Lord is pretty clear about his kingdom and what we should be doing with our dash. Will you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. Lord, I know just in in my own spirit, God, there are so many times that I get caught up in thinking more like the world and doing the things of the world and wanting to be like the world. And Father, it seems like like I want to... I want to be as much like the world as I can be and still be called a Christian. And yet, Lord, there's a distinct difference that should be marked by my life. If I'm really an ambassador of you and your kingdom, Lord, there's things that are going to be different about me. And and Lord, they, they shouldn't be things that offend people, but they should be things that draw people. And Lord, it's about your love and your grace, but it's also about, Lord, Knowing that you're holy and that, Lord, there can't be things in my life that aren't holy and right and people view me differently. God, would you let us have a grasp this morning on, Lord, are we truly seeking you first? And Lord, for some this morning, it just really might be a question of position, of, of where they are with you. And Lord, if they really know you or they don't. And Lord, with any of that, I just pray that if there's a question or, or Lord, there's a response, I pray that just during this song that we could could sing it to you, that we would lift up those burdens, that we would lift up maybe some some sin that's keeping us from from being all that you want us to be and from putting you first and give it to you. we ask these things, Lord, in your son's name.